Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. This message is by Clive Urquhart. It's great to be together again this morning. Uh, thanks to the worship team just for flowing and leading us. Uh, you know, it's, it's so important at this time uh, that we don't rush our time with God. We give him space. You know, there's, there's an intimacy with God that is gentle. There's an intimacy with God that is strong. Uh, there's an intimacy that, with God that is mighty. There's an intimacy with God that is powerful. There's, there's different ways that God expresses himself uh, in the intimacy of knowing him. And uh, we want to just be open to however God wants to reveal who he is in our lives. And so this morning, many of us, we know God, we have a relationship with Him. Uh, maybe some of you this morning uh, that are connecting in, uh, you, you don't necessarily know Jesus at this point, but I believe God wants to show you who He is today in some way that He becomes real to you uh, in a way that He knows He needs to show who He is to you. But many of us do know uh, God, we know we have a relationship with him, but you know, God is constantly wanting to reveal more of who he is in our lives. And so how does he do that? Well, he shows us by his word more and more who he is. So as we read his word, as we root our lives in his word, he reveals more of who he is. What does that mean? He brings a stronger conviction. He reveals by revelation more of the truth of who he is and what he's done in our, in our lives. And this morning's message, uh, just been, just during this week, just been praying. And uh, the, 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 the title of it is Unshakable Pillar. And we're going to kind of dig into this a bit this morning in the context of what God is already doing in us during the 21 days of, of prayer and fasting. Now, last week, Jane and I shared a bit uh, about some the vision and stuff for this year as a church and some of the things we, we kind of shared in there in terms of what God's doing in us, what he wants to do through us. Uh, some things about what he has been doing over a period of time into the now and how we want to go forward and some of that related to some practical physical things like buildings and all of that kind of thing. But God, God, one of the things in, in what he was saying last week, God was saying to us about living a discipling life, a discipleship lifestyle. And how do we do that? Well, a discipleship lifestyle is a life where we are living the word. We are living in the truth of the word and we're living by the word in our, in our lives. Now, whenever uh, you, you're preparing for a message, if you, if you preach or teach in some way, uh, you're always wanting to bring hope. Uh, you always want to build faith because you want to build people up and that's what God does. He brings hope, faith. He builds us in our relationship with him. Uh, but also sometimes uh, God prepares us with what he's doing with his word because he knows that we need a preparation in our lives to be able to stand in the midst and in the face of challenges, trials or difficulties. Now, we know in church history there have been times of peace, 
but also we know in church history, there's times of trials, challenges, persecutions uh, in that way. And so there's seasons of peace and there seems to be seasons of trials and challenges. And one of the things where you, you have a, a season of peace, it's quite easy for the church to become comfortable. And, and when there's seasons of peace or relative peace and comfort, we forget sometimes that, that the church was born uh, a couple of thousand years ago in a season of, of, of trial, in a season of persecution, uh, in a season where the, the context in which Jesus came, there was an empire, a Roman empire that was ruling, had a certain culture and lifestyle and laws and ways that they were. Uh, they were quite challenging if you wanted to be a Christian in the face of that, that culture. And, and often when things are comfortable, uh, the church... It can, and, the, and, and there's a time of blessing, it can affect the intimacy of the church. It can affect the hunger of the church in that sense. And, and often when there's a time of, of trial, there's a time of challenge or even persecution, that there's more of a brokenness in the church. There's more of a dependency in the church because there's a realisation that, that what we know as the pillars around us in life that might help to bring us security are all being shaken, they're all being challenged. And, and in the midst of that, the only pillar that is left uh, in our lives that doesn't change, that isn't shaken, that isn't moved about is the pillar of who God is in our lives. And when we see in history as well, if you, if you read about the history of revivals and moves of God and, and, and things that have taken place where, where not just a community of people might have been in revival uh, in a period of time, but where, where, where an, a, a region or a nation or even nations affected by, by, by what God is doing. Often that is, is, is uh, of being birthed in times of trial, in times of persecution, in times of challenge. And, and it has created a hunger, uh, maybe even a pressure in the church to, to begin to pray, to begin to cry out to God, to begin to press into God because there needs to be a change in the society. There needs to be a change in the status quo of what is, is going on. And often revival is birthed under pressure. Revival is birthed in a, in a time of challenge. And, and there's what's called travailing in the Bible. It's a kind of prayer that's called travail. It's like a birthing. There's like birthing pains that, that, that birth life, that births new life. And, and often where there's pressure and challenge, it can do two things. It can, it, one, it can cause people to, to walk away or it can put, cause people to press into God, saying, no, God, in the midst of this, I'm going to take a hold of you in a fresh way. Something greater, something more of you has to be released in this time. More of you has to come through because of what is going on around us. And, and the challenges of life, when things are shaken, it seems to be that shakings happen in, in, in primarily in two ways. There's the obvious shakings and maybe some of the things that are going on around us with the pandemic uh, and some of the things connected with that can be an obvious shaking, an obvious challenge. Where's this going? Does any, can anybody see the end of it and all of that? And there are obvious shakings that, that can go on that, uh, that cause us to say, God, where are you? What are you doing? It can help us in one sense 
to press into God. There's obvious shakings in nations and maybe some of the things going on in America at the moment with the elections and, and, and all of the things around that. There, there's obvious challenges and shakings and, and, and within that, where is the truth? What is the truth? Who has the truth? What is really going on? And, and, and all of that. And there's shakings taking place in the nations at this time that, that, that are obvious things. But there's also subtle shakings. Things that are like, you know, that, that uh, analogy that's used about a frog in, in cold water. If, if you put him in cold water, you gradually heat it up. He doesn't realise what's going on around him until it's too late. Rather than dropping him in something that's already boiling and it, you drop him in and he jumps out immediately because he realises, hey, this isn't good. And there's other shakings that are very, very subtle where over a period of time, things in society change. People have certain agendas and they're wanting to control and, and, and suppress things because what they think should be happening uh, should be coming through more and the narrative is trying to be changed uh, gradually. And, and they're also shakings uh, that are going on and sometimes in the slow shakings that are taking place. Because you can say, well, is that really a shaking? Absolutely, because what do shakings do? Shakings bring change. Shakings change what the norm has been uh, and, and what we're used to and what we're comfortable with, even where some of our securities are, if, without even realising it, because we've got used to the way things are. And where there's obvious shakings, we go, wow, what's happening? Hang on a minute. How does that affect our faith? Where's the truth in that? Oh, the truth is being challenged. Our faith is being challenged. But when there are a gentle shakings, if I can put it that way, that are like little tremors that we don't necessarily recognise, we might look at and say, well, I don't believe in that and I don't think that's right and I don't think things should be going in that direction and what does that mean for our faith? But we don't necessarily act upon certain things. We don't necessarily say, hey, hang on a minute, that's not right. And so these subtle changes can, can uh, help us continue even in our comfort to a certain degree and that affects our intimacy. It can affect our passion. It can affect this, this righteousness, in it, this righteous indignation that sometimes needs to rise up in us. It says, no, this is not right. And, and I believe there's those two shakings going on at the moment. There's this, these, these gentle shakings that are trying to affect and control and manipulate some of our thinking with agendas that people have uh, about what is the truth. And, and we see that truth has become lies and lies have become truth so often in regards to certain things like the whole kind of gender conversation, the sexuality conversation and, and so much being based on our feelings and how I feel today and the mood that I have today and all of that. And there are very real challenges going on in people's lives in relating to those things. And we see there's a subtle change that becomes stronger and stronger in our culture and society. But within all that, the question is, where is truth? And how is the truth worked out in culture? How is the truth worked out in the church that then affects the culture? And in some ways, what we have been, if I can put it this way, practicing for years as Christians, what we believe, how we are living, what we are practicing, now is the time that we've been preparing for. We are called for such a time as this. I don't want to overstate things or sound like I'm trying to overstate things, 
But there's so much going on at this time. There's so many conspiracy theories. There's so many angles on stuff uh, at different levels. If you, if you watch American news, you've obviously got some channels that are very, very pro the left and some that are very, very pro the right. And everybody has a narrative on what they want to communicate as the truth. Within all that, on social media, you have so many voices, so many opinions, trying to get everybody's attention with what is the truth and what is, this is my angle and this is what I think and all of that. And we can be so bombarded at this time with what is going on. But what, is, what, is, what does Jesus say? There's an absolutely brilliant parable that is in Matthew 25. It's also in Luke and, and other Gospels. And uh, sorry, not in Matthew 25. Uh, there's a brilliant parable uh, that talks about, anyway, it's in one of the Gospels. Uh, it's talking about Jesus when he talks about what your life is based on. Is it built on sand or is it built on the rock? And in Luke, what it talks about is dig down to the bedrock, go right down to the very rock. So dig down through everything else that, that is not firm, is not solid, doesn't, cannot create a foundation. He's basically saying dig down to the rock and find what is sure and certain. And what Jesus is saying is everyone who hears my words and builds their life upon those words is like building your life on the bedrock. It's like pushing through all the other noise, pushing through all the other things that are trying to get our attention. And this is one of the things that God has been doing with us during the prayer and fasting. Over this last week, uh, I, I, I really want to encourage you, if you haven't uh, so far, I want to encourage you to connect in, plug into the daily devotionals that Pastor Colin's been doing. Uh, that God has loved us and, and plug into those every day. And there's an eight to 10 minute message that he brings. Um, and then there's some scriptures you can, you can dig into uh, and you can read, you can meditate on. Why? Because in, in what God is doing through that, he is reminding us of the truth of how he has already loved us and how we live in the power of those truths, the reality of his love. Because I, I believe that as we live in the power of that love and in the revelation of that love in a fresh way, that enables us, and let me put it this way, maybe in the weakness of our own lives and what is this and where are we going and what's going on, his strength, the strength of his love comes into our lives in a fresh way, the revelation of it, and enables us to stand firm in terms of who he is. So I just want to go through really quickly and remind us of some of what God has been speaking to us this week so far in relation to his love. So the whole thing is, is I have loved you. God has loved us. There are many different ways that he's expressed his love for each one of us. This eternal love that will never change and that is totally unshakable. So it says God has come to us through Jesus to make it possible for us to know him. Possible. How do you know God? You know that love and you live in the good of that love when you are born again. What does that mean? It wins you, when you come into the new life that God wants to give us. So Jesus has taught us the truth. He's taught us to know the Father, to know his will and then how to 
live. So these are some of the things that Jesus has done for us in his love to show us his love. It says, Jesus has died for us to make relationship with God possible by going to the cross, taking every sin to save us from eternal separation from God so that you and I could be made totally acceptable, made holy and righteous. So in order to die for us and to do that, which we've just read, he also took us to the cross. What does that mean? It means he put to death the sinful nature that used to control our lives and cause us to be separated from God. And God knew that that old sinful nature couldn't be changed, couldn't be improved. And so he needed to give us a new nature so that we could live this new life of the kingdom on earth. So in doing that, what did God do? He called us and he chose us to belong to him. You know, you know when you want something, you choose it, you go after it, you say, that is what I want in my life. So when it says he called us and chose us, it says he, came, he, he did something for us because he chose us and he says, he says, I want you in my life. God says that about each one of us, to each one of us, not just a general generic thing, I want mankind in my life. He says, no, I want you in my life. In order to do that, I'm gonna demonstrate my love for you by laying down my life for you and making it possible for you to be loved and come into that love and live in a relationship of love with me. So he chose us and called us. And it then says to be holy and blameless. So when God sees you, he sees you as holy. He sees you as blameless because that, that's what he has done for us and in us. So we no longer belong to ourselves to try and work this out in our own effort. No, we now belong to him so that he can work his plan and his purpose out in us. He's called and chosen us. What else have we been discovering in a fresh way this week that, that Pastor Colin has been sharing? That God has been merciful to you and I, that he has forgiven us. So mercy is, is the first, if you like, first aspect of God's love that we encounter. We, we don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his love. We don't deserve relationship within us. And that's exactly why God has demonstrated his love for us because we didn't deserve it in his mercy. He said, because I'm merciful and I want you, I've chosen you to come into a relationship of love with me. I'm gonna demonstrate my mercy and my love to you by, by making it possible to be forgiven, to make it possible to come into relationship with us. And when we respond to him for that first time and we confess our sin and we say, God, I'm not worthy, but I thank you for what you've done. I confess my sin, I ask you to forgive me. It says at that moment, he cleanses us from all sin, from all unrighteousness. And he brings us out from, of, of being separated from him into a relationship with him, into a oneness with him by his mercy. And then when we know him, he continues to be merciful for, to us because whenever we do get it wrong, we sin or we blow, mess up, we can come to him and say, God, forgive me. And immediately he cleanses us right at that moment. And that sin is forgotten. It's gone. It's history. And he'll never, ever bring it up again. And then we can continue on in the new life that he has given us. 
Then the flip side, the mercy, as Pastor Connie shared with us in the week, uh, uh, mercy deals with the negative, but then also it says God has lavished His grace upon us. Now, what does that mean? What is His grace? It, God's grace enables us to live in all the positive, all the good that He has, that he has done for us. So the mercy deals with the negative and the grace enables us to live in the positive. And the amazing thing about God's grace is, is that He doesn't judge us. He doesn't condemn us. There's no condemnation in Christ. Grace enables us to live in the power of the truth. One blessing after another, as we shared even in today's uh, uh, devotion, grace upon grace, one grace after another, continually being lavished upon us. And within that, you know, we have challenges every day. There might be things we face every day, but then God has made His grace uh, available for us so that His grace is sufficient for us in any given moment so that we have what we need to overcome. We have what we need to live through the trials of the day, the challenges of the day, moments that we, we might need to say, God, I want to throw myself on you in this moment because I don't know how to handle it. And He says, hey, trust in my grace, trust in me. This is another way that God has demonstrated His love for us. Another way that He showed us that He has loved us us. So why are we focusing on His love through this 21 days? Because when we know that He has loved us by doing all the things that He has done for us to bring us into relationship with Him, that gives us security. That gives us our confidence. That gives us our assurance and our identity. And what we want to do each day, as it comes, it's, it's revelation at the end of the day, but relating into that, that story that Jesus told, if you build your life upon the rock, dig down deep, go right down to the foundations, that enables us to stand in the face of challenge. It enables us to stand in the face of trial. It enables us to stand in the face of potential persecution that might come in different ways. Or, or other. So, so what is God doing at this time? What, what is my or any pastor or leader's responsibility when we teach and preach and train and equip in the life of the church? It's, it's to bring hope and faith into our lives that we're all built up in the Word. We're built up in the truth. Not that God, God doesn't want to build up us in and of ourselves, the self-life, okay? Doesn't, God doesn't build that up. He's, he's, he wants to build up our spirit man so that we are strong in Him. Because the Bible says that in our weakness, His, his uh, strength is perfected. So we're not asking God to make us stronger in our natural selves. God, make me stronger so I feel confident to deal with the challenges of the day. It's no, God, I want to be strong in You. I want to be strong in Christ. I want to I live in the truth of who I am in You because that's where my peace is. That's where my strength is. That's where my confidences. And so the, the, the funny thing is with the Christian faith is actually when I feel weak, that is actually an absolutely fantastic moment to say, God, in my weakness, I trust in you. And that's where, it, that's how it works. That's the way it works. God doesn't want to build us up so that in and of ourselves we feel strong because you know what it's like when you feel strong in yourself, 
that's when we say, well, I can handle this. I can do this. And we don't realise we, we start to leave God over on the side because we feel strong enough to know, well, I can handle this. I can do this in my own strength. And, and when one of the signs of knowing that we can get, we, we're getting like that in our Christian life is spending time with God becomes less. Trusting in God becomes less. Asking him and listening, talking to him about things and asking him for his wisdom and his insight, well, it becomes less because we've started to trust in ourselves and in our own opinions, our own thoughts, our own strengths, our own abilities. And, and, and that's a little bit of a test to see, am I, am I still reliant and trusting in God in my life? Am I spending time with him and, and listening to him, meditating on his word, digging beyond the moment to the foundation, the truth of who he is, knowing that, yes, I might in one sense in this year, I should be able to trust in my own, but actually I don't want to. I want to stay in a place of trust and confidence in him. What does Ephesians 3 verse 16 say? It says, I pray, this is Paul the Apostle writing to the Ephesians uh, and they had a challenging context that they were living in, but this is what he wrote to them. He said, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that inner being is the spirit man. It's who you are in Christ, your spirit man, as the Bible talks about. As we know, we're made of spirit, soul and body. Your soul is your mind, emotions and your will. Then you have a physical body. But Paul is talking about being built up in your inner man, your spirit man, that then informs everything else in your life how to live. So verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. What does that mean? It means that we trust in who Jesus is in our lives. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that we are rooted in, in this relationship of love, established on the bedrock of God's love. Then it says, in this context then may have power together with all of God's people, holy people. So then together as a people, we may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, uh, that surpasses just natural thinking. This love comes as revelation. Wow, God has loved me. He's demonstrated that in the, in the things that he has done for me. And so I might not fully understand and grasp that, but God, I need the revelation of that. So I, so I understand that. I have this yes and amen in my spirit that then it helps to inform me in my mind, God has loved me. These are the things he's done for me. He's made me acceptable in him. And therefore I'm secure. I have confidence and my identity in who he is. Then it says that they may be filled to the measure of the fullness of who, of, of God. Then in verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is, that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, through all generations forever and ever. So there's two, two prime things I think God's doing during this time. He is reminding us of who he is, that he has loved us, what that means in our lives so that daily we walk with him, daily we live in him, daily we are trusting in him because it's a day by day relationship. It's a moment by moment relationship. We live in the now with God. 
Now, God speaks also about tomorrow, next week, next month. But he also says, today has, eno today has enough worries of its own. So don't worry about tomorrow. Don't get concerned about tomorrow. What I do is I give you the grace that you need to live in today. And so as you walk with me today, you live in the grace that I supply for you today to deal with whatever, might you, you, whatever you might come across today. But we also know that God prepares us for the days ahead. So God gives us the hope and faith for today, but he also prepares us for what is to come. So that as we live, if you can get this, as we live day by day with him, when we come into the tomorrows that might have challenges and shakings and all sorts, as we live day by day with him in the now of who he is, when we come into the tomorrow, because we are living day by day, we're learning how to live and trust him each day so that when we come into tomorrow, we're going to live in the same way, trusting him because we're learning to do that today. Hopefully that makes, makes sense. So what is the Christian life? The day you were born again, the day you gave your life to Jesus, he gave himself fully to you. He cannot give himself more to you than he has already given of himself. So the truth that we're looking at day by day, that I have loved you with this everlasting love. He gave the fullness of his love day one in that moment that you were born again. And so what is the Holy Spirit doing in us? Because God gives us his love by the Holy Spirit and, and understand, understand, for us to understand the power of that love. What is he doing as we walk with him every day? He, so you start here. If I had a platform, I, I, the thing we could we could show you by walking, but I'll just try and do it with my hands. You got born again on day one. What's he doing for the rest of your life? Day by day, he's revealing his truth to you, so that you live more fully in that truth. Day by day, as you live your life with him. So he gave you everything here. And now what he's doing is helping you to live in the fullness of everything day by day so that we live in the reality of that more and more and more and more. So what happens when we have a struggle? What happens when something's going on and we're like, well, I don't understand this because I'm still struggling with this. What we do is we bring that struggle to him. And sometimes we might need somebody else to, to be with us and help us. Would you pray with me? Would you help me? Would you help me bring this to the Lord? Would you help me pray this through? Because there's some stuff going on in me that is challenging me. It might be here. It might be stuff that's happened. It might be whatever's going on in us. And it's like we, we bring that to him. We surrender that to him. It's like we bring it to the cross in a fresh way. Because when you were born again, what you're doing is you're bringing everything in your life to the cross. Because the cross is where you're forgiven. The cross is where you're set free. The cross is where you're healed. The cross is where freedom comes into our lives. And so what we're doing is when we live according to the truth, we are submitting anything that is not of the truth to the cross every day of our lives so that what is not of the truth, okay, can be killed off so that we then live more in the power of the truth in that day than we were the day before, if you get what I mean. So we're taking the fullness of what we receive this day and we're learning how to appropriate that and to live in that day by day in our lives. So you might, be, you might have an illness and you say, well, I'm sick. 
I thought Jesus dealt with it on the cross. If I'm a believer, how, how come I'm sick? Well, what we do in that context is we say, right, on the cross, Jesus dealt with every sickness. And so, but I've got a symptom in my body. So what do I do today, right now here where I'm living, because of what Jesus did, he dealt with every sickness. Today, as a believer here in 2021, I take hold of the truth and says, by his stripes, I am healed. Take hold of the truth. The Lord is my healer. That Jesus took every sickness to the cross. So what I do is, it's like, Father, right now, these are the symptoms going on in my body. So I give these symptoms over to you. And I thank you right now that you are my healer. And I take hold of your healing grace and appropriate that in my life right now. And so I speak to my body. I speak to these symptoms and I command those symptoms to go right now because you do not belong to me. And instead I speak healing to my lung or to my liver or to my blood system or to my heart or to my skin or to whatever it might be in your body. I speak healing to my body right now and I receive what belongs to me in the name of Jesus. That's, that's how we take hold of the truth in our lives, okay? There might be something else. There's nothing to do with sickness, uh, something else going on. And, and again, we bring whatever it is whatever hurt, whatever issue, whatever pain there is. And we bring that to him in this moment now. And we say, because you've done that there, you've set me free on the cross. I'm going to take hold of the power of the cross now today and say, Jesus, right now, this pain, this issue, this shame, this guilt, whatever it is, because of whatever's happened, I bring this to you right now. And I hand over this shame or this guilt or this issue. I bring it to you and I bring it to the cross right now. All that you accomplished then is a living reality now because the blood that set us free on the cross 2000 years ago is the blood that is now at work today. And so we bring this to him now. Say, Jesus, I bring you this guilt. I bring you this shame. I bring you this pain that's going on in my life. I submit it to the power of the blood and what you accomplished on the cross. I submit it to you right now. And I thank you for your cleansing power that liberates me from the guilt or from the shame or from the pain. And what we are doing is we are approaching appropriating the power of the truth and what he has done here, we're appropriating it right now into our lives today. And that's, that's how we see God's freedom and, and liberty come into our lives. Some, and, and often we might need somebody to pray with us and agree with us when we pray to say, hey, because the Bible says we're two on earth agree about anything in my name. My father will do it whatever you ask for. And that agreement is really powerful. And uh, so don't, don't think sometimes, oh, I've got to struggle through, I don't know how to do that. Or whatever, Clive, that sounds brilliant, but how do I, well, sometimes you might need to call your small group leader or somebody that you know is a believer, a friend or whatever, and say, hey, can you pray with me? Can you stand with me? Can you help me just submit this, surrender this and give this over to the Lord? Can you just pray with me and agree with it? Because I want to live in the freedom that I know Jesus has won for the, on me on the cross. I know I want to live in the freedom that he has given me and I want to live in the power of that. So I want to submit 
this moment to him so that this can be crucified in my life so that it's dead, buried and gone so that I live in the power of the truth right now. And that's how we appropriate and walk in the truth of what God is doing in our lives. So what else is God doing in us? The parable of the 10 virgins in Matthew 25 talks about 10 virgins that are waiting for the bridegroom to come and they all have lamps but only five of them have oil, have oil and the other five don't have oil. And it says in that parable, they're waiting for a long time for the bridegroom to come. Maybe some of you are saying, oh, Jesus, would you just come as quickly as possible? Come because of what is going on. And, and you know, there is a sense that we're in the last days. However long that is, we don't know uh, in that sense. But this parable is talking about the day and the hour. But what it's talking about is living ready in our lives. Now, you know, you know when things are comfortable, you know when maybe there is a time of peace and blessing and all of that. Uh, there seems to be time for everything. You know, when there, there isn't necessarily an urgency or there doesn't necessarily seem to be a pressure for something. When, when you know you've got time, there seems to be time for everything. But yet when there seems to be, when there's a pressure that comes or a challenge that comes, that, that focuses you, that helps you to focus sometimes. When there's, when there's persecution uh, that, that begins to come to the door, man, does that focus us? And suddenly things that we seem to have time for in times of peace and, and, and all of that, that can take the edge off our hunger and our desire and all of that. Suddenly when there's, there's pressure or there's something that's, that, that we don't like, it focuses us. And when we focus, suddenly what is important really takes our time and, and attention. And that's what, it's, that's what Jesus is saying in this parable. He's saying, hey guys, it's very easy to have time for everything in life, especially when things don't seem to be that urgent. But what he's saying in this parable is five of these virgins understood we want our oil, our lamps full of oil and our wicks trimmed because we're living ready for the bridegroom coming. He might not come today, but I'm living ready. He might not come tomorrow, but I'm living ready. The five that the lamps were empty and they weren't ready, they, they were kind of living saying, well, there's time for everything. There's time for this, time for that. It's okay, it's fine because he's not coming yet. But suddenly when he did come, they were like saying to the others, hey, can, can you give me some of your oil? What were they basically saying? Can you, can you give me some of your relationship with God? Can, can you give me some of what you've lived in your life? Because I've realised I'm not ready. I've been doing my thing. I've, I, and, and, and the five that were ready said, look, I can't. We can't give you what, what is in our lamps. You, you've got to go and get some of your own. And so at that moment, the people then ran off. The five ran off to try and find some oil, but they couldn't find any. And while they were off trying, the bridegroom came. They went in and when the five came back, it was too late, the door was shut. Now, when you think about it, that's a pretty challenging parable he's giving. Because he's, he's not talking about the five that were saved and the five that weren't saved. He's talking about 10 here that knew God. And he's talking about how they lived in their lives. So why does God continually encourage us to live in the power of the truth? One, because he wants us to be walking with him in relationship with him. He wants us to be living in his love, in the freedom and in the fullness of who he is. And he, God knows on this journey, 
of faith with him, on his relationship. He knows he, he needs to do stuff in us. He needs, he knows, he need, that's why he continually speaks and encourages us with the truth. Because he, he knows what he's put in us and what he's given us right here. But then he's constantly encouraging us to live in the power of that, the fullness. Of, and he's teaching us how to do that in our lives so that we live with our lamps full and our wicks trimmed so that we live in ready for him, reliant on him, trusting in him. And one of the things that's going on at this time, yes, with the virus and other things that are, are kicking off and going on uh, in different nations and, and, and all of that, is God's reminder, hey guys, it's time to focus in, time to focus in, time to, time to focus in on what is really, really important. So what's going on, really briefly, there are various pillars in, in life. One is government, it's a pillar. Uh, government legislate, they govern, they rule, they reign, they, they, they rule, certain things say reign, they rule and they, they keep law and order. They give direction for a nation in, in the sense of policies and where are we going as a nation in, in, in the natural, in that sort of thing. That's, the government is a pillar, okay? And, and where there isn't government, uh, there can be anarchy. Uh, it can be dangerous and, and, and even our government is being shaken at this time with the current situations and other things that are, that are going on and, and there's a challenge if you're in government at this time to how to lead, decisions to make and it's very easy for us lot as couch politicians who sit in our living rooms and say, well, they should do this, shoot out, do that and do the other. Man, it's a pretty unprecedented moment. The thing we want to be doing is praying for our government at this time to be making the wise decisions, decisions with all the information that they're fed with and, and, the, and they're getting the, the decisions, the best decisions they can make at this moment for our nation. We want to be praying for them, not criticising or judging. They won't do anything, just criticising and judging them. The best thing is to pray for them at this time. But the government is a pillar, but it's being shaken. Business is another pillar in society. What does business do? Business creates wealth. Business provides jobs that then bring salaries to people that then pay taxes that go into the government to help them run the country. When we have salaries, we spend money, retail, we buy food, we buy clothes. There's a, there's a whole thing in place that business helps to make the world go round in one sense, in that, in that way. So business is really being important, but yet as a pillar, it's been massively shaken at the moment because so many things aren't open. So many people can't trade. There isn't the same money going round. Business is shutting down. There's a, there's a huge huge shaking going on on a business level. Education is another pillar where we're taught certain things. We're taught all kinds of different subjects about life and this and that and the other. Helps to educate us for jobs and for careers and pro professions, which then fe feeds into the business world of jobs and, and, and earning money and salaries. There's so many things that are intertwined here. We know there are challenges in education in different ways, where there are certain genders to, uh, agendas to get certain things taught within education as this is normal, this should be taught. So there are things being shaken in education. Then there's the media. The media is another influencer. It, it's a pillar in one sense, but it's a massive influencer. And whatever media uh, company they are might want to feed you with certain things. And, and there's a huge war for words but also pictures, visuals within media to get people's attention, to bring a certain narrative. All of that is 
being shaken because of social media and who can say what and bring their narrative and story. There's so much shaking going on. Family, another, that family is a massive pillar in society. Uh, God ordained marriage between a man and a woman and that and family to come in that context in terms of a pillar in society. That's being shaken, that's being challenged uh, with you know, the identity of marriage and, and, what, and, and what culture, some of what culture wants to redefine marriage and sexuality and gender and all the other things that are out there at this moment that are challenging the fabric of society. There's shakings in different ways and even religion. There are many different religions out there and uh, saying this is the truth, this is the truth, that is the truth and everything. Many religions are being shaken at this time. There are, there are different things, if we call them pillars at this moment, that are pillars in society, pillars in terms of what we've known. All of those things at this moment are being shaken. Some of our securities are being shaken. What we have known is being shaken. And in the midst of what is taking place and, and, and what is still to come in years ahead. And we know when you read the book of Gen uh, Revelation, there's all kinds of things that go on that, that bring massive shakings uh, uh, to nations and, and mankind in different ways. And, and some, sometimes I think we think, well, that's far off. That's not going to happen in my lifetime. But yet when we have shakings right now that challenge us in our individual lives just because of life or it challenges our faith, it's right in this moment, in this beginning of 2021 and however it's going to unfold. I know there's loads of prophetic words out there of all sorts of things. Don't, I just want to, I just want to give you a bit of advice here, right? Don't just listen to every prophetic word that is going on out there and let that determine your life. Every prophetic word must be tested. That's what the Bible says. Every word must be tested. So don't just listen to a word and go, oh my word, that's what's going to happen. Because you, you get one prophetic voice coming from here, another one coming from there and all of that kind of thing. And what every word has to be tested. At this time, the, the most important thing you can be doing is to root yourself in the word. I want to encourage you, plug in to the daily things that Pastor Colin's doing because it's simply the word. Get a fresh revelation of God's word. Get a fresh revelation of God's sovereignty. What does that mean? His sovereignty is who he is, his authority, his lordship, because his sovereignty will be your sanity. His sovereignty, his lordship, his word, the truth of who he is in your life is your sanity. If you listen to loads and loads of voices, so easy to get double-minded. Is it this? Is it that? Is it the other? We want to live day by day in the truth of what God is saying. And when you know what the truth is, you then know what is not the truth. You've probably all heard this story, this, this uh, example. You know, I don't know if they still do it these days, but uh, they probably do. But uh, I know, you know, when you work in a bank, uh, they just give you real notes to count 
constantly, real notes, real notes. So you know exactly what a real note feels like and all of that. I don't know if it works the same these days with the plastic uh, notes that we have, but they used to do this so that you know exactly what a real one is like. And so they, they train you with the real. They train you with the truth, if I can put it that way. And then what they do every now and then in a pile of notes, they'll chuck in uh, one that's not a real genuine note, a counterfeit. So when you're going through, you suddenly go, ah, that's counterfeit. That's not a real one. And you put it aside. Why? It's, it's not because they show you the counterfeit all the time and say, this is what the counterfeit feels like. This is what the false feels like. Now we give you the truth. That, oh, that's what the truth feels like. No, you, you're trained in the truth. You're trained in the truth. You're trained in the truth. And when something comes that isn't the truth, you go, hmm, there's something about that that doesn't sit quite right. Hmm, that's not, no, I don't, no, that doesn't witness because the truth is this. And, and, what God does as you, as you dig into the foundations of what the truth is and, and, and you, we live in the revelation of that as we're doing at this time with this I have loved you and all the truths of what God is saying through that, um, that, that, build, that, that enables you to be a person of the truth. And so then when other things come, you're going, mm, that doesn't quite sit in the way that the truth sits and that the truth then becomes the governor the navigator if you like that is within you and because time's going by a couple of scriptures in John in the midst of what is going on God says Jesus says to us do not let your hearts be troubled in John 14 1 do not so it was in the midst Jesus was speaking to the disciples he'd been with them they'd learned to trust him walk with him man what would it have been like to walk with Jesus and then if he wasn't around, suddenly you'd be like, where is he? Uh, 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 where is he? What is Jesus saying? He's preparing them for the moment he's, he's going to go through the cross. He's going to die. Then he's going to be resurrected. But then he's going to go up to be with the Father. And he's preparing them and teaching them about the Holy Spirit that he's going to send and, and give them. So that they're going to have the same spirit that was in him is going to be in them. And he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Then in verse 27 of the same chapter, he says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give you to you as the world gives. Do not be troubled, do not be afraid. Let's be people. We go to the pillar of pillars. We go to the unshakable one. I believe God wants to remind us, hey guys, keep it simple. There's so much out there that is like, what is going on? And it, and it very easily starts to get complicated. All the narratives, all the stories, all the shakings, all of that. And, it, and, and yes, we need to be aware of what's going on. Yes, you know, we need to look at the news, but don't, don't dig so deep into the news that that becomes everything you're talking about, everything you're speaking about, everything. No, no, no. We want to we wanna, we wanna go to the pillar of pillars and say, Father, I thank you in the midst of everything going on, you are my peace. You are the one that is the governor, the, the governing word and voice. You're the one that I trust in. You're the one because you have loved me and you're enabling me to walk in your love by your grace. You are my security. You are my assurance. You are my place of rest. And so I thank you that as I live in you today, you'll enable me to know the decisions I need to make in today. When I come to tomorrow, 
I'll be living in the grace that you release for me tomorrow to live in the way that you want me to tomorrow. But I'm going to live in the good of who you are today. Come on, guys, let's just pray. Father, I thank you that you are reminding, teaching and leading us in the truth of what you have done. Therefore, the truth of what we live in now today and what we're going to continue to live in going forward. Father, thank you that some of these shakings have actually helped us to get out of any kind of being comfortable and just, well, there's time for everything. And we do this and we do that and we can, and, and there's time for, you know. Thank you, Father, that you are even using these shakings in my life to help me focus and to maybe remind me, hey, I need to press into God. I need to connect into God more. I need to live more fully in who I am already as a believer. Jesus, I thank you for these shakings that help me to be focused, but I don't want to live a Christian life where the pressures force me to do that because of your love and the revelation of your love because you love me. I want a response of love that says, Father, I want to love you in the same way that you've loved me. I want to respond back with love. I want to live in the obedience of your commands and all that. Why? Because I love you. I don't want to wait for a pressure or something else. Thank you for using that to remind me to maybe wake me up in a certain way. But I want to move forward from today living in that because I want to, because that desire's growing. I want to be focused. And Father, I want to be a mouthpiece of your truth. I want to be somebody who distributes your truth in that sense, who encourages and builds others to help them know how to live in the now of this moment to such a time as this that we are called. So we thank you for how you've been preparing us for years to live right now in today. And you're going to continue to prepare us so that when we come into whatever tomorrow is we're going to come into, we're going to be ready to stand in that tomorrow because you're preparing us today, teaching us how to live in you right now. So Father, I just thank you that as we continue on in these 21 days of prayer and fasting, encountering you on tomorrow night, Wednesday night, and other prayer meetings in the week and round the table on Friday and all the other things we're doing, the devotionals, that you continue to lead us step by step. Continue to revive us so that we live more fully in who we are in you and you in us. So that we increasingly become these life-giving people, a life-giving church to those around us in your mighty, awesome name. Amen. Amen. If you want to live fully in who you are, you want to come into this relationship with God, you can simply do that. And I want to encourage you, email us, info at Kingdom Faith, and we'll get in touch with you to help you. How do you begin a relationship with Jesus? How do you do that? We'll send you some resources, but we'll also get in touch. We'll have a chat, pray with you. We'd love to help you surrender your life to Jesus. If you have somebody in your room where you are today that knows Jesus and you don't, and you want to say, well, how do I do that? Turn to them after we finish. Say, would you pray with me? Would you help me give my life to Jesus 
today. Bless you guys. I know it's been quite a full-on word, full of stuff and everything uh, for today, but I just hope it's been an encouragement to you today. Let's live fully in who we are. Let's press into God. Let's move forward. Let's continue to pray. Pray for the government. Pray for our nation and for what God uh, wants to do. Bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you tomorrow night at the Encounter Evening. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.